Nick Kiprios here, and we need to talk new energy. New energy is a great tasting, chewable tablet I carry everywhere. Whether I'm broadcasting a late night doubleheader or going to an early morning pickup skate, new energy is, hands down, my go to to help promote alertness, wakefulness, and relieve fatigue with only ingredients I love. Look for the orange stick at a retailer near you, or look for my webpage at getnewenergy.com slash Kiprios. That's getneuenergy.com slash Kiprios. This product may not be right for you. Always read and follow the link. All right, another episode of World Hockey Report, just under a week away from the NHL trade deadline. World Hockey Report with Cody and Adam. Cody, how's it going? Not bad, buddy. Uh, you know what? It's been a busy weekend, but hey, things are settling down. Got the week off work, so I can't really complain. How's things in Toontown? Well, week off, but I work the stat holiday today, so, you know, time and a half. Oh, making those big bucks. Yeah, big bucks. Uh, we can start it off with our, our weekly bashing. Not so much bashing, but the Oilers made two trades. They traded uh, Cam Talbot for Anthony Stolarz and also traded Ryan Spooner for Sam Gagne. So what are your thoughts on those? Wow, getting right into it. Your phone's blowing up there too. Eh? I, I hope that's some insider stuff. Or else, uh, I mean, you got a big date coming up tonight. We all know that, but I hear that. It's my, fr- it's my friends talking about the flames covering the puck line. Yeah, and you, your first time ever using an iPhone or what? Don't know how to turn off the volume? Must be. <laughs> uh, Oilers trades though. I mean, yeah, like it, you kind of knew like... That whole Talbot thing was going around for a while. Is Stolarz better than that Alex Leon or Lion, whatever? I'm not too sold on it. Like he's had injury troubles. He's base. He's very comparable to John Gillies, if you want to put him in that sense. So for the Oilers, it really doesn't make too much sense other than they're freeing up a little bit of cap space. I mean, their goaltending situation is a dumpster fire. I tweeted out it before. They got like 50 combined total games. So if they're going for a rebuild, they're in for a big loophole. And the Gagne trade, like, cool, it gets him out of the minor leagues. He's he's really, if you can't crack Vancouver's lineup, what makes people think he's going to help Edmonton? Yeah, those are good points. I mean, the only, the only good thing I'll say about these trades are... Uh, they got rid of Talbot without having to take Brian Elliott, which obviously Philly would have been trying to get rid of. And they got a player who's a better fit in Edmonton than Ryan Spooner. But at the end of the day, they're, they're sideways moves. They don't make your team any better. In a way, you might get a backup goalie for next year in Stolarz, but I don't know. Like, And when was the last time a, a big goalie worked out in Edmonton? I mean... Koskinen's huge. He hasn't been very good. Dubnik wasn't very good in Edmonton, probably because the team stunk. Uh, and who is it? Anders Nilsson. He was in Edmonton, right? And he was junk too. So a couple of big boys in net, not really doing well. So hopefully Stolarz is a little bit better than them, but none of those guys really had the best teams either. So I hope for Talbot's sake, though, that he can go to Philly you know, be a good mentor for Hart. I, I mean, I guess they work out over summer or whatever. They know each other. They got history. So you hope Talbot can go there, be a good mentor. You know what? Be that 1B guy there. And honestly, if you're looking at defensive cores, you honestly might take, You, I guess you probably would take Philly over Edmonton. 
just defensively. Like, if you look at their top four guys against the Oilers' top four guys, probably as a goaltender, you're a little bit happier to be in Philly. Yeah, it's not even close. And just to get out of Edmonton for Talbot, it's probably not a bad thing. Um, yeah, and then today, uh, another Shirelli move gone wrong. They they put Brandon Manning on waivers for the purpose of assignment to Bakersfield. So the original Kajula for Manning trade turns into just giving Chicago Kajula and eating Manning's $2.5 million for the next two years. So it's time to move. I saw a tweet today. It was Kajula would still be sixth on Oilers scoring, and he hasn't played the last 30 games. So that's a really nice move by Chiarelli. So, yeah, I think I think that's good for our Oiler bashing this week. What else you got? Did you see the lineup at West Edmonton on Mall? I just saw it on Twitter. I might have to tweet it out. But dude, the the yeah, lineup you... for uh, McDavid and Drysaddle's autographs or whatever. Is it long or what? Oh man, it was insane. I I'm just I'll I'll tweet it out on the page or whatever at World Hockey RPT, of course. But dude, it's nuts. It's like they're all the way around that water world. You'd think it was Wayne Gretzky signing autographs in his prime, not Leon Dreisaitl. I also saw the mascot trying to start a Let's Go Oiler chant in the middle of the freaking ship. So that's probably the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Not a good look. Not a good look. Um, moving along, though, it was it was a pretty decently busy week. I mean, you know, that that's going back a little while. But for the Ducks, they, they kind of snapped into their little skid. And it was, it was Kevin Boyle. It was his first start, first shutout for the Ducks. Like, what an improbable situation. I mean, you're, you're the school kid, but improbable seems to be a good word to use. I think it fits the bill. Like, first game, first shutout, and you play on the Ducks, who have been just an absolute wreck for how long? Did you get to see any of that game? I didn't see the game because it was blacked out, but in three games, he's got a 955 save percentage. So, good for him, a bit of a... A bit of a trek for him. He's he's from New Jersey, but he played with the West Side Warriors in the BCHL. So it's a bit of a throwback team there. And yeah, then he went to UMass Amherst, UMass Lowell, East Coast San Diego for three years, and then in the NHL. So yeah, and just to see him get the shout out and his reaction was pretty special. No kidding. That was super cool. And I mean, speaking of goaltenders, I mean, I got to watch that Arizona Leafs game. I made sure to tune in. And our boy, I mean, Kemp's pulled through. Darcy Kemper, unreal performance. Sasky kid comes out, shuts out the Leafs, national television. Austin Matthews is in Phoenix. I mean, half of that building's his relatives and friends. And Darcy stole the show. I mean, Kemp's was lights out all night. I get it, the Leafs might not have their best game. But boy, you still shut out the Leafs 2-0 at home. That's that's pretty impressive. That was That was one of the better games I've seen him play. Maybe in his career, honestly. Yeah, good good for him. I mean, that's a pretty big stage. Uh, he didn't have a ton of shots. Like, it was only low 20s, I think. Um, the best part of that game, I think, was the Coyotes tweeted out a picture and about it being a sellout, so they took a picture of the filled, build, the filled building. But the, be- the best part about that whole thing is they used a black and white filter on the picture so you couldn't tell that they're all Leafs jerseys in the building. That's smart marketing, though, if you want to think about it. It's kind of funny, yeah, because like the whole bottom bowl was essentially blue, and I guarantee you Austin Matthews probably bought half of those. 
But all in all, it was a good game. I mean, you got to give the Yotes credit. That's a team who's been grinding away. And they are building from the ground up. That's not a team made to win today. Hey, they're able to scrounge together a couple of big wins. To do it at home always helps. Yeah, I guess they lost to Calgary today, but they're only a couple points out of a playoff spot. And I think they lead the league with man games lost to injury or they're second to the Ducks, but I wouldn't even count the Ducks because Perry's was an offseason injury. I mean, all of Arizona's injuries have been this year, and that's just a shit pile of luck. Now, how many other contracts? Like, don't they have like Datsuk's contract and all these like retired guys' contracts like still on their bill or something? I think Datsuk's is the only one left for another year. Like, I know Pronger's Pronger's is done because they had his two. And then Datsuk's, I think it ends this year or something like that. But it's smart by them. I mean, take a bad contract because you can and, and move up in the draft, I think, was the Datsuk pick. They got the the first round pick, which turned out to be Jacob Chickering. So that's a pretty nice get. Can't really complain about that one. Moving along, though. Um, hey, how sick are those like Kachina jerseys, though? Those, I, I made a note for that one specifically that the Yotes weren't. I mean, I know it's kind of. We're just giving them a big bear hug in this episode, but those have to be the best alternates in the league. Like every time I see those, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's creative. That's exactly what an alternate jersey should be. Not some stupid black and white thing that looks like a road hockey jersey. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'd say it's top three. I think the the Flames thirds are definitely up there. I'm not a big fan of the Ducks' new thirds because they're not actually like the Mighty Ducks. It's a black version of it, which looks pretty dumb. But yeah, it's it's so different, and they don't use the same logo or anything. Kemp's pads were sweet. Uh, but you know who had terrible third jerseys? I hope you say Tampa, but I feel like you've got some Yeah, else. it's Tampa. Oh, I knew it. It's Tampa. They're awful. Those are disgusting. And I tweeted out a picture, too, like of... Um... Hell, the tendy there. Vasilevsky. Okay, like his, his gear is ugly for one. But yet again, like it just looks stupid. It's borderline looks like the all-star jerseys. Look like they just copied those ugly things out of the ocean. Yeah, but they, it looks like it's not even finished. Like they're still still a stripe or something they have to put on. <laughs> I mean, that, that definitely just seems like a Tampa thing. Florida hockey thing. Doesn't make sense. We're going to get to your boy Barkov. But also another thing. You uh you tweeted it out, kind of caught a little bit of fire on there. Don Cherry, he had a couple of harsh words. If you want to call a jerk a harsh word, whatever. For Carolina's celebrations, I mean, let's not rip Don because you know, I mean, that's why he gets paid for those hot takes. But yet again, I mean, the, the Canes' reaction was pretty priceless. Yeah, I was watching it live, and I was pretty, I was pretty baffled by it. I mean. He just, oh, they're a bunch of jerks. And then he said, oh, they're a bunch of jerks again. And then he called Justin Williams. He's like, imagine Justin Williams doing this. Like that, it was crazy. They're doing a heck of a job with it, though. I mean, I tweeted this out also. I just said, you know, isn't the point of poor poor teams like Carolina to be talked about? Like, if it wasn't for celebrations, nobody would be, be talking about how they're a point out of a playoff spot right now. And if it wasn't for celebrations, they wouldn't be getting all this notice nationally or whatever. And then they, they're they coming out with the shirts. I think they're available online that just has a bunch of jerks or something like that with their logo. So I did talk about buying one with some of my buddies. So 
might get one of those. And then they said, uh, they take a picture of Williams. They said, imagine Justin Williams acting like this and got the notification. Brenda Moore today said they don't care what other people think and they shouldn't. And the biggest thing for Carolina is that their fans like it. And they, they definitely seem to. Now, before I give you my, uh, little take on this let me tell you about any day rose of course you know what we've been pumping up on the pod for a while it's a rose cider made with real rose wine straight from the heart of wine country in california there's one gram of sugar six carbs 120 calories and it's gluten-free plus of course 6.9 percent alcohol not a big deal and you know what they're big supporters of the world hockey boys so use our website anydayrose.com slash world hockey and the promo code World Hockey Report for ten uh, percent off. That's World Hockey Report, all caps, no spaces. When you go through the link, anydayrose.com/slash. You got to check it out. I mean, any day rose. It's the drink of the future. It was named like a top five Valentine's Day rose drink from like Forbes. Pretty cool. You can buy it with Venmo. They're gonna ship it right to your door. It's all over. I mean, liquor stores in Alberta now. So you know it's legit. Any day rose. You got to check that out. But my take. On the Carolina Hurricanes. And I've said it before. It's hard to put myself in that fan's perspective. Because it's not like I'm a guy who's going to be wearing a jersey. And I mean swinging a flag around. From a player's perspective. I probably wouldn't like it. I mean if if, if you know. It's not like I'm old fashioned. But like as a player. It's kind of like ah, okay. Like let's just sell you and get out of here. I don't really don't know what it's like to play in a hockey market like that. But if the fans are liking it, who cares? That That's the end of the day. Let them have fun. If the players are for it, if the players are the ones having fun, enjoying it, the fans are liking it, great. Go for it. I'm not going to be one to step in the way, tell them not to do it, because I think that's just asinine, that your say should be like, hey, I don't like it, so they shouldn't do it. No, I think Don Cherry and Brian Burke could probably simmer down a little bit with that whole bunch of jerks, you know, non-traditionalists, whatever you want to call them. It's hockey. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I can't imagine being a player doing that, just like that home run thing where they ran around the the so-called bases and then like dogpiled each other. Like, it's strange, but it's for the fans. It's for the kids. It's not for the 90-year-olds on TV who I think I got tagged in something today who called Yarmir Yager not a very good hockey player. That was his, his quote yeah, that from was me that 1990 you in or something like out. that. So nice take. Yeah, nice tag by Don there. Um, yeah, good for Carolina, though. They're one point out of a playoff spot. Uh, everybody talked about them, you know, selling Michael Furlan, selling Dougie Hamilton, selling... Brett Pesci, Justin Falk, you name it. But Carolina, man, like they're they're one point behind Pittsburgh and Montreal and Columbus. So they're right there. They don't have the goaltending, though. I'll say that and I'll stick by it. They don't have the goaltending to be a legitimate playoff team. They've got some of the right pieces. They've got the scoring. They've got a decent back end. They don't have a goalie who's going to steal them a playoff series. Peter Mrazek isn't going to do it. He might win you a couple of World Junior games. Not NHL playoffs. Yeah, and we want to talk about the the 1A, 1B, how it doesn't work. Uh, McElhaney, 22 games. Peter Morazic, 28 games. And I don't think McElhaney's a 920 goalie. But, 
how crazy do you think some people are about their scouts talking about Sebastian Ajo not taking him in the first round or higher, like 35th overall in 20, 2015. I mean, if you're doing a redraft today, he's a top six or seven pick in that draft. I mean, he went 35. McDavid went one. Eichel went two. That's probably staying. Marner went four. Provorov, close. Barzell, Shabbat. That's, that's a very good draft, but I mean... Arizona taking Nick Merkley and San Jose taking Jeremy Roy ahead of him. Uh, not too sure they're thrilled about that one. Ouch. That's not a good look. Not a good look. Yeah, I mean, Ajo's got so much skill. The one thing I will say is from watching him play, and I mean, you know, I'm not going to give him enough credit because he almost looks like he's got too much skill where he's like lazy out there. He's got that look of like... like it, it looks too easy for yeah, him. Yeah, no, it does. It's that's That's exactly, I mean... That was exactly what I was looking for. Is like it looks so easy for him that he almost looks like he's not trying, and so it, it's really hard to read. I couldn't imagine being a scout and trying to watch through a bazillion junior kids. Like that's obviously a tough job. It's nothing easy, but yeah, you got to be happy your ass has a job after passing up on a guy like that. Wow, what a talent! It's crazy because Carolina's been doing so good basically since we watched them play live. So we're not taking credit for Carolina's good start, but at the same time, World Hockey Report bump. We watched them play and, and ever ever since then then they've been doing pretty well. We talked about the the 1A 1B and I guess we'll get into the Flames. Bill Peters came out and said that obviously it's uh they know that they're making the playoffs there. It's near impossible for them not to. But Bill Peters basically came out and said, hey, uh, somebody asked him, would you go 1A, 1B in the playoffs? And he's like, not at that time, no. So he's going to have to pick one. And right now it's looking like Mike Smith's playing a little better. I really liked your tweet. I get it. Like people are kind of like harsh on us there on that whole Jonathan Quick thing. The Flames got to do something. You know, I mean, let's be real. It's like when they had Brian Elliott, right? You know you're not going to win with Mike Smith or David Riddick in net. You're not going to win a cup with those two. I'm telling you exactly how it is. David Riddick is a heck of a backup goaltender. He's no better than Philip Grubauer, though. Don't kid yourself if you think he is. Mike Smith, he's past his prime. He's proven that he lets up brutal goals at the worst times possible. What makes people think that's going to change in playoffs? You're not going to win. You need a goaltender who can go through four rounds of grinded out hockey and be a number one guy. Consistency is key. Even Martin Jones struggles with that. And I still think he's one of the league's elite. But a guy like Jonathan Quick, if you're able to add him to your roster, if he's healthy, nonetheless, like he is definitely one of the best goalies in the Western Conference. And he's a guy who I could see getting the Flames to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, and... Just to add to my experience with Brian Elliott, the last time the Flames went 1A, 1B in the playoffs was with Brian Elliott and Chad Johnson two years ago. They got swept by the Ducks, and in Game 4, Brian Elliott started the game, and he got pulled after allowing one goal on one shot. And guess who was at the game, and guess whose trip it ruined? Me. So that was the last time the Flames went, went like that in the playoffs. And yeah, I agree with your point about Riddick. He he's a great goalie until you until you really need him to to be the guy. Like I mean, 
saw it last year when Smith was playing well and he went down and Riddick had to take over and he, he really faltered down the stretch. We saw it this year where he had a good start splitting games. You give him the job a little bit more leeway. He wasn't as good. Here's my thoughts on the Flames. So they signed Johnny Gaudreau to to that, I think it was a six- or seven-year contract a couple years ago. Six-year deal in 2016. That deal runs out. We're obviously thinking pretty far ahead here. That deal runs out in 2022. So that's three years after this one. To me, he's going back, back east to Philly, New Jersey, one of those teams. Like I think when he's a free agent, it's basically – a foregone conclusion that he's going back. That's that's just my thoughts. I have no insight, but he seems like uh, he really cares about his home. And I think the Flames should just go all in these next two or three years, right? I'd agree with that. They've got guys on very fair contracts. We'll go with that. And he's, yeah, they've still Monaghan, got room Giordano. too where they can move a couple of pieces and still add. Like, especially when you got a guys like Kinchuk on his entry level right now. Boy, if they're not looking to add for this year, uh, I'm sorry, but that's a shame. The West is not as strong as people think. If, if you're toughest, I don't want to rip on Winnipeg because they've already been playing like shit and they know it. And Nashville, well, they've proven to have a couple of hiccups in playoffs. But when you're toughest competition, honestly... I mean, no disrespect to Vegas, but I think it's San Jose. And the Flames have proven that they can put up a fight there. They're right there with the teams like the Sharks. So if they're able to add a legitimate goaltender, maybe even another score, maybe even a guy, I mean, a heck of a guy, maybe even just get James Neal clicking. That That's a deadly playoff team right there. They just need consistency between the pipes. Is that too much to ask for? Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, maybe their their best trade deadline acquisition is getting James Neal to play better, and he's played a l- little better lately. But he got hurt, and it looks like he's going to be out for a little bit of time. Um, I mean, I'd love Mark Stone there. He's going to cost you an arm and a leg, but Mark Stone would be a terrific fit in Calgary. His brother plays there. It's it seems like the stars align for that one. Um, I think if anybody's staying in Ottawa of him, Duchesne to Zingle, it's probably him just because he seems a little bit less, less prickly than Duchesne, I might add. So I think he stays, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, speaking of the West playoff teams, though, how about St. Louis? Like freaking Jordan Bennington gets called up and he starts out at 12, one and one, four shutouts, nine thirty seven save percentage. We saw Tarasenko, Shannon O'Reilly, Shen's back playing the wing, Tarasenko's got like 10 goals in his last 10 games or something ridiculous like that. And it's pretty clear that he's the he's the stick that stirs the drink over there. Man, that that team's been exciting for the past 10. And what did they go? They went like four straight games with shutouts or something stupid? Yeah, uh, something like that. It was three and four close. Insane. I mean, it doesn't matter. Honestly, if you put up two straight shutouts in the NHL, that's something special right there because not many goalies can do that. That Jordan Bennington kid's been lights out, to say the least. But yet again, Philly's gone on 10-game winning streaks. And I mean, you, you just know how it's going to look. They're not going to do anything in the playoffs. 
I, I mean, honestly, for them right now, it's probably just getting them a shittier draft pick with them playing so good because that's not a team built to win in the postseason. Yeah, and we talk about the game's all speed and skill and Tyler Bozak as your, what, second-line center right now isn't the fastest guy in the world. Your your D aren't, aren't very fast after, I mean, a 34-year-old Jake Bomeister. So that's a little... Ryan O'Reilly's made for the world championships. Yeah, like, I mean, he's a he's a hell of a player. I mean, a plus 25 this year, which leads their team by by 12 and leads all forwards on their team by 20 or something, which is just absolutely ridiculous. But he's been great. The Blues have been great. Here's a, here's a quote from Elliot Friedman on his own podcast. He said he talked to a guy like Freddie Anderson and another goal, and he said, you know, obviously the shooters in the NHL are better, but some goalies and most goalies would agree that the AHL or the NHL is easier to play goalie in than the AHL. And just cause it's not like, obviously the shooters are better in the NHL. That's true, but there's a lot more structure, right? So we talk about it with Carter Hart being a 900 guy in the AHL, but now he's a 915 guy in the NHL and Bennington last year was a, I mean, I guess this year he's 927, but in the past he's been 900 and, who else? Who else have we seen do do good call up? Uh, I don't know. There's others, but just getting called up to the NHL, you're you're playing with adrenaline, but you're also playing with a lot more structure, so you know where the shots are from coming from. Agree or disagree? Totally agree. A guy that comes to mind, and I mean, his numbers might not back me up on this, but Thatcher Demko, because when he comes up, like I mean, when he comes up from the American League to Vancouver. He honestly looks like he like he, he's so comfortable in net, right? And that's just that that little experience. Yeah, you, you probably get a lot more odd man rushes, breakaways, like you know, better scoring chance. Or you see a lot more better scoring chances in the American League. So when he comes up to the NHL, despite being on a bottom end team with a pretty weak defense, they still have a structure that they stick to. And for Demko, he just looks he, he's got that calming factor to him. And it's very similar to Hart. It's very similar to Bennington. One guy which could figure it out would be John Gillies. That would be nice. But uh, no, that's totally fair. And that's a real good point. That's coming from a guy who's seen the American League, seen the NHL for long enough. Yeah, so there's that. But a team the Blues are chasing is the the Dallas Stars. And they're right, right there neck and neck in points. But nobody talks about them. They're They're going to be a playoff team. And... Ben Bishop, 34 games, 924 save percentage. Anton, Anton Hudobin, former Blade, who's one of the best backups in the NHL. He's got a 921 save percentage. And ever since Ben and Sagan were called horseshit, uh, Sagan's been a lot better lately. Ben, not so much, but Sagan's been great. And I mean, that Miro Haskinen guy, 19 years old, he's a tremendous player. Wasn't there a quote on Sagan? The other day from Keith Gretzky, it was on one of those like TV series where they were following the Bruins. Did you see that? Well, there's a famous clip of, of them sitting in the hotel, just saying that he he really worried players. But no, no, no. I, you know, it's it's something like I swear it was Keith Gretzky. It was a quote of him or something. Like I'm just gonna paraphrase, but it was something about like he's too lazy. Like you know, he's not gonna be able to make a big impact in this league. 
and now obviously he's ripping it up in Dallas. So I saw it on Twitter. Frick, I should retweet those things or like like them. So I see it in the future, but whatever. Yeah, it was funny. Just another Keith Gretzky moment, not a GM. Um, Man, the stars are good. But yet again, that's such a tough path in the NHL playoffs. Even if like, obviously they're probably gonna get in, but that first round matchup, you're going to need Ben Bishop to steal a series. And he's going to have to steal that first one. So if you have to steal that first one, you got to win f- like three more. There's just, they're really not a playoff team. They're just there for the ride. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think for a team like them, just to show that they, they made the playoffs in that market, especially is is a big deal. It's, it's a little less extreme than, than Carolina, but just to show that they made the playoffs and maybe they take team to six or seven games. Uh, they've done well against Winnipeg this year, I know, but it's just, it's weird. They don't really have much of a second line after Ben Sagan rattle off. It's uh 35 year old Jason Spezza defensive centerman, Radic Foxa and uh, Matthias Janmark is a speedy winger, but none of those guys are really studs. I mean, they have three, four, just Ben Sagan and Radulov have over 10 goals this year. So that kind of shows you, I mean, the same thing with Colorado though. Like you look at how widespread some teams are and with how salary caps work, you need guys on cheaper contracts and the Colorado avalanche who's on their second line right now. Cause they won win in their last 10 games and, Obviously, they're they're more focused on what the Senators are doing at this point in the season, given that they have their their first round pick than probably what they're doing at, at this point. I think. Okay, back on that Yanmark though, that kid can wheel. I get it. Like you're kind of like gonna rip on their second line. It's not that good, but like you watch him. He's a one man breakout. Like he can. He just he flies out there. Um. Yeah. The, He's kind of like a. He's a better like Toby Reader where he's so fast, but it's like he doesn't accomplish anything other than he just kind of skates around the ice. But other than Toby Reader cannot score, even if you put him with McDavid and Dry Sino. Uh yeah, the Avs are they're they're checked out. Like they're in that central and they're at the point where they're just trying to lock guys up for like years in advance to the point of when when's Winnipeg gonna suck? When's Nashville gonna suck? When are we gonna get our chance? That's what Colorado is waiting for. Guaranteed. Yeah, like they still have they have some really good pieces. I mean, Connor Timmins just got called up and he's just starting to play for them. If you remember him from the World Juniors a couple of years ago, I think it was. He was he was really good there, but Kale McCarr's lighting up the the NCAA this year. They're probably waiting for him. Um who else? Uh they're probably waiting for a guy named Jack Hughes to crack their squad. But yeah, McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, 76, 75, 58 points. Next closest is Carl Soderberg. So they're checked out. I think this is kind of a a turnover year for them where they're playing with house money, but they still kind of realize that their time's a year or two away. Now we've been talking about playoffs enough. Uh, Isles, first round, it's going to be at the Coliseum. That's pretty sick. Like that atmosphere, it's stupid how it's only one round. Like I get there's some contract stuff, but dude, like you want to see the Islanders in the playoffs this year. That is something. And you want to see them finish first so that they have a chance of hosting or 
having home ice advantage in multiple rounds. Oh yeah. I mean, as far as playoff atmospheres go, that's what top five in the league. I'd say just for atmospheres, not Barclays is like bottom five, but Nassau Coliseum def. I'd say top five, like teams I'd put in there is Calgary just cause I'm biased and I've been to a game, but see if red hard to argue, uh, Montreal just because that's like their religion. Um, Winnipeg's close, but their rink's pretty small. Vegas now with that, all that stuff they do, and then something something like Nashville or something. But yeah, the I'm not going to say Toronto either because all the people sitting in the lower bowl there are are just wearing their suits because they got corporate tickets. They're not out in uh, Maple Leaf Square, so there's that. But yeah, I, I think the Isles making the they're going to make the playoffs. But playing a game at Nassau that'd be wild. What's your thought? I mean, speaking of the Isles as well, uh, what's your thoughts on Robbie Shrimp's comment on Tavares? You, you had to have seen that. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, I also saw he went on a Sportsnet radio show and tried to back them up or try and make them sound a little better than than what they came out. Here's the thing with that. like None of us were ever in that dressing room, so people just looking at Robbie Shrimp saying, oh, he he doesn't even have 150 games played, that's what they're looking at. They don't look at the type of people, whatever. So, but it's weird how we'd say that, but I mean, he did play with him for two seasons, so maybe it has traction, you know, but he's also rotting in like Austria or something. Is he still playing? I had no clue if he still was. I didn't look into it enough. I just saw the comments. He kind of called him out for like, Hey, he really just, he wins. He picks up his, I mean, picks up his money, goes home. Didn't really move the needle. And as you said, I mean, what he win one playoff series in New York with the Islanders. So he wasn't single-handedly bringing him to the conference finals. And that's, I mean, he's almost, I mean, our, our, our Twitter followers are going to blow up. He's almost like a Nikita Kucherov. He put up his points. He grabbed his lunch pail. He went to work. He was not clutch when they needed it. Yeah. Like he was good in that playoff series, but I guess he did get the, the OT winner, but I don't know. It's it's tough with that team because they haven't had a goalie for like 30 years. They haven't had any success for 30 years. So it's just tough to really gauge on on what, what he did there and how, how successful he was. I mean, Kucherov has all the, all the pieces in the world to play with in Tampa where Tavares didn't. So it is weird how he like just left for Toronto without – given it an inclination. I mean, I'd be pretty upset if I were Islanders fans, but if you look at it, they, they realized how to be a franchise. They, once he left, they already had Trotz and Lamarello in place, but once he left, I'm sure the guys in that room kind of realized like, okay, it's, it's on us now. I mean, John can't do anything. And that's, that almost made them better where I'm not going to say on paper, but just playing as a team. And back to Kucherov, it was kind of funny that the day that you tweeted out um, whatever he was against the division leaders, he's like, he's got one goal and uh, he's a minus three in six games against like the Isles, the Jets and the Sharks. I was looking back and on our memories or something, it showed up that old Kucherov blog when I said he was overpaid. And I mean, I still do believe it. I, I really don't know if he can carry a team by himself. We'll go with that, but. 
I mean, I, I broke out the stats. I did a little bit of research there too. And against Washington, Vegas, Winnipeg, Nashville, Pittsburgh, and San Jose, those are the teams I, I called elite based on last year's playoffs. And I mean, it's hard to argue with that. I, I've got to be somewhat right there. And against those teams this season, uh, he's got two goals and he's a minus 13 against those teams. All the good teams from last year's playoffs, two goals and he's a minus 13. That's that's a tough look for a guy making almost $10 million. And if you want him to show up when he's needed, ding, 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 it's right then. Not against the Edmonton Oilers or the New Jersey Devils. I mean, the old Flyers, the LA Kings, where he's putting up four or five points, whatever. They're still winning by three or four goals. You really got to do it when it matters, don't you? Or am, or am I just being too hard? No, that's fair to say. I mean... Nine and a half million for that production is, I guess, a, a decent bang for your buck. But at the same time, I just I was looking and I was like, wow, like I remember him lighting up Edmonton. I wonder if it's there's a trend and the numbers back it up that there is a trend. Although I'm going to bring it back to Washington now. That was a team that just relied on their their thirty percent power play all throughout the regular season, and it won them a lot of games. Get to the playoffs, whistles are put away. They're not winning many games with, you know, just one or two power play chances. That's that's basically a full goal off your, off the score sheet. So that's it definitely says something about it. I mean, Kucherov embarrassed himself in the Washington series last year where he ended up kicking a guy, which is what I'm going to remember him for from that series. So... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to say like you know he's overpaid or anything, but it's the numbers are backing it up that he has to be a lot better in those big games. Yeah, I use that picture as the 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 blog, uh, whatever feature image. I, I just thought I was like, yeah, Adam's gonna Adam's gonna have a good chuckle. And of course, if you want to watch Kucherov kick someone, possibly playoffs, non playoffs, whatever you want, you gotta use SeatGeek. Uh, it's the best app out there. Adam knows. Adam talks about it all the time, right? It's I mean, you get to choose where you want to sit. You get sick deals. You get Oilers oh, tickets from thirty bucks because they're a dumpster fire. So you can actually see some legit players play at Rogers Place, where parking's going to cost you more than your actual tickets. Thanks to SeatGeek, because you can use our promo code World Hockey Report, all caps, no spaces. Twenty bucks off your first purchase, just because you're listening to the podcast. World Hockey Report, all caps, no spaces. Use it on SeatGeek. Adam, any last thoughts before we uh, wrap it up here? Also, happy Family Day, President's Day, whatever it is, whatever long weekend it is. Uh, not so much, but the what I'm going to remember about this NHL season is all the all the good puck over glass, stick over glass, feel good stories. I, I threw that in my notes, and I was literally, I was thinking, I was like, do I bring it up? Because I've seen so many vi- like um, videos. It's almost getting too played out, though. It's like every warm-ups, half of the thing is guys just trying to toss like pucks over the glass. I get it. It's cool. Kids love it. But okay, like when they're doing it during warm-ups for two minutes of just trying to throw it between the netting and the glass, let's just pump the brakes after the game. Dude, I mean, after the game, send the trainer over there to give them something. Seems a little bit outrageous. Like you see warm-ups, half the guys are doing a drill and the other half of the guys are standing by the glass throwing pucks over, trying to throw their stick over. My thoughts. I agree with that where it's, it is, it is becoming lots. Obviously it's for the kids and a lot of those 
those kids, like it's, it means the world to them. It's obviously going to make, make their lives. Like I remember just like going down to high five the players as a young kid. Like it means, means a lot just getting the high fives or whatever, but yeah, it is, it is kind of strange how guys are just like skating back and forth from the bench to the crowd and then taking selfies. But it's for the kids. What I'm happy about is there hasn't been any issues. I remember a couple of years ago, this was a post-game thing, but Ryan gets left through the stick over and some jackass dad is like trying to grab the stick from a, a little kid or something like that. But yeah, there's there's been none of that, so it's good. Could you imagine if that was your dad? What if that was Papa Trout there who goes and steals it away from little Eric? Just goes and just rips the stick out of his hands, says mine. Calls it up to the vehicle. Thank you very much, Getzlaff. What would you like? That's got to be so embarrassing. Yeah, it's I, my dad. Obviously, wouldn't do that, but just like the <laughs> the uh, it's a, it's like autograph seekers. It's people trying to make money because because you see like like there's people like when we used to go to morning skates. There's some people who somehow get in and they have like bags full of stuff, and it's like you're not bringing that home. Like you're you're putting that on eBay, which which guys obviously are, are aware of. Yeah, it's, I mean, a little bit of a scummy thing. But it's, it's funny you brought that up about the sticks because that is true. Like, you, you just see some, like, you just really hope that, like, you know, parents, kids, for the right reason there. You get a warm-up puck, it's awesome. You get a selfie with a player, awesome. But you also, like, I don't sound like the Grinch, but they also have a job to do. They, they are out there for business reasons. So as an owner, you probably don't want a guy taking a fifth selfie selfie or throwing his seventh puck over the glass in warm-ups you're kind of like alrighty, get your shit together so you're on a dash two in the first period but yet again not gonna try to sound like the grinch just uh another classic hot take there yeah and i think i think that's it for me yeah we, we covered a ton uh blog's going up worldhockeyreport.com it's time for a new college puck ranking so that's definitely going to be going up this week adam any last words for the kids all good have a good one guys well We'll drop our show on Tuesday next week. I think that would make the most sense because the trade deadline's Monday, so I think Tuesday would be a nice, nice and filled trade deadline show. Ooh, now we're thinking. Maybe even we'll get uh, a little live on Twitter or something. Maybe we'll get Adam's thoughts after the trade deadline. Maybe we'll go live on there. A little, little Twitter live action. For you. Yeah, I, I think that's smart, right? Tuesday episode for the drop. I like it. I like it. Alrighty. Have a good weekend. Follow us on Twitter too at World Hockey RPT. Peace out.